welcome back, listener, to the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. You right, Carl? Yeah, I'm. I'm recovering from my um, tooth infection. <laughs> Straight in with the tooth infection. I think I had it last episode. Which, it's been which a, it's, tooth? Oh, back a uh, back. Do you know what? It's actually a missing wisdom tooth that's left a crevice that I get. A crevice? Wait, is it missing or is it removed? Removed. Removed. Okay. Yeah. And welcome to the podcast, Rose Riley! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> I mean, we're just, that's introduction done. Right. Explain a bit more about the tooth. Basically, sometimes you have a tooth removed and it, and it leaves space that can gather food. And if, unless you're very careful, that can go bad. And I think that's happened to me twice in six months. You keep getting food lodged well, in a crevice. It's, yeah, but it's so tiny and so right. difficult to reach. So I bought an electric toothbrush. I've started doing... I've been way better, but I've been doing salt washes thrice daily. Uh, you in the world. I did one here. And what have they, have they, have they given you, like, antibiotics or something? No. The, no, you're self-medicating. I'm salt self-medicating. Salt washes thrice daily. <laughs> because, the, you know, I'm, I don't want to be part of this... I want to be part of the, the antibiotics revolution. Oh. Say no to... You know, save antibiotics. Say because no to antibiotics. Yeah, they're not working. Like, but is not, the salt water working? Yeah, it, it, oh, it does a treat. It hurts. I hate it. Does it hurt the actual like tooth? Yeah, it hurts your mouth, tooth? and like, you look. Oh, it's awful. Salt water, <laughs> salt water bath, never. Absolute worldy dentistry. Um, <laughs> welcome, Rose. Thanks. How are you, Rose? How are you? Grand, Thanks so grand. much for coming. Thank you so much for having me on. That's all right. Um, so, uh, as you may be aware, uh, the very first things we ask anyone who comes on are: mm. uh, What is a worldy? Oh my god. Um, is this my interpretation of what a worldie yeah, is? Yeah, there's no right answer to this question. Um, we should make... If it was a visual medium, we could make them do an interpretive dance to what they think a worldie is. Okay, that would be a bit harsh. We, so won't, do we won't do it now, though, because yeah. you'll just hear me probably really out of breath because I don't think I've moved for about two months. <laughs> <laughs> just me panting in the background. It's fair. It's December, January. No one's moved. We all hibernate. Um, a worldie. My interpretation of a worldie is someone who... Um, is it a person? In your head, could be. Okay, a worldie. If I was to say the term. Worldie to me is someone who's like, <laughs> if so, if this was not on a football podcast, I'd be like, it's someone who's been on a gap, yeah. Nice. Oh, wow, that's a new one. A world traveller. Stick that one on the list, Joel. <laughs> I will, I'll write up right now. <laughs> we should have a tally. Of what? Because <coughs> most... I like that. What else have you had? Hot person. Hot person. Hot person, Hot person really? is probably the most. Oh, he's a weldy. Yeah. That, like that. Like yeah. that. We had someone. Yeah. But that's actually a thing which we didn't know. When we named the podcast, we didn't know that uh, in oh, cer- that... certain parts of the UK, a weldy is like. Woo-hoo. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. On Twitter, mainly, if you if you put in weldy onto Twitter, trying to find us, you usually find some naughty pics. <laughs> Really? Really? I might, might put that on my dating profile. <laughs> I'm a worldie. I'm a worldie. I'm an absolute worldie. Check me out. Uh, yeah, well, no, fine. A world traveller. I like that. Uh, do you th- what's the, what do you think would be like the minimum amount of countries you'd have had to have visited to be a worldie on your gap year? I, I, I think on your gap year, you would have had to have just <laughs> been uh, like done, I don't know, Thailand and Australia. And like, it's like the usual route. In that and sense, think, oh, wow, are you world... yourself a worldie? Absolutely not. Have you been travelling? <laughs> I don't have any money. <laughs> Where's the furthest no, you've been? been? Where's the furthest I've been? Um, I don't know, like as in geographically, maybe Las Vegas? Oh, You've been to Vegas? Yeah. Did you put it all on red? That no, one... <laughs> I was eight. <laughs> all, all on black. <laughs> <laughs> Removed from the building <laughs> from being a child. What were you doing in Vegas at eight years old? <laughs> this is What's the that? question I ask my parents. Every day. No, this is our big, memorable someone... family holiday, the first we've ever been. We're all going to go to Vegas. No, together. right, so this is mad. My, I think, so it was back in the day of like travel agents and my um, family wanted to go, my, I mean, this was like years ago, my parents still together and uh, they wanted to go, we wanted to go on a family holiday. Maybe this is how the divorce happened. <laughs> <laughs> but basically they wanted to go on a family holiday and someone in the travel agency convinced them to take two young children. I was eight. My sister must have been about four. <laughs> take us to Las Vegas. But it's got resorts, isn't it, for kids? It's got like swimming pool things and outside like play, you know? Yeah, not like, but we were like on the strip. Like oh. we were staying the like hell? on the strip. It was mad. And we got there and then like we couldn't go anywhere. Like the kids couldn't like you could just about have breakfast. <laughs> Back to bed. <laughs> so I can remember just like walking up and down the strip a lot. Oh, you really aren't a worldie. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have been to more places than Las Vegas. I but mean, geographically, in my head, I'm trying that, to think that it, that's probably the furthest I've my, been. In my head, that's it. Like, you went, you went to <laughs> Vegas at the eight. age of eight. And, and never like, got on a plane it. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this holiday has been so boring, I'm never leaving the UK but ever again. On a holiday at eight years old, you're supposed <coughs> to come back with your hair plaited, you know, like... What? You know, oh, like, yeah. you, you go to Spain and you get someone to do your hair in little thingies and, you know, like a nice bit of jewellery, like a shell on a necklace. What? But what? in Vegas, yeah. you probably came back Did with a gambling habit. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of holidays were you going on, Kyle, where you had your hair put in a okay, flat? Okay, Joel, let me tell you a little something about family holidays. <laughs> I don't know because I never went on them. We are the easy jet generation. You go somewhere cheap and probably Spanish. Yeah. Right. On the Along the sort of like promenade or on the beach, there are people that uh, sort of do your hair. So like if you're a girl, you might get it. I, I, I don't know the like word... Like you get like a little shell at the end of it. Yeah, so I feel like it just spat in your face. It's okay. That's the curse of the podcast. That's right, no one would have known. You need to put it out. Um, but well, yeah, but yeah. you know, by, by the David Sorry, Beckham just get time, Carl cloth to wipe off that huge amount of spit that's dripping down his face. Can I finish? <laughs> Sorry, mate. By the time of David Beckham, you, you met, met. It was cool for boys to do it, so you'd get oh, like right. a half-head cane row. Oh yes, you didn't and people do would that. come back to school. Yes, you with didn't a really do white that. scalp. I didn't do it. <laughs> Thank God. Face. My mother drew a line at a cane row. Right. Good. <laughs> But you did get lots of little braids, did you? With lots of little shots. No, I was, to be friends. honest, I was too scared because I, I, I came from a, a, you know, a school that would have judged me very yeah. fairly, and or unfairly. But anyway, I, I didn't do it. But that's what I'm talking about. Those sorts of yeah. things. But you instead no. came back with what chips? A broken family. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember it was so bad. Our, our dad like drove us across the desert to like Disneyland, which was like quite close, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, I still have no idea. Yeah, it's, last bit, it's uh, Los Angeles. It's about a two-hour drive. And we drove across the desert, and there was a snowstorm in the desert. And then he, he, shot, <laughs> he shot my sister's fingers in the, in the like... <laughs> he shot my sister's fingers in the, um, what's it called? The, the door? The window. Oh, no. You know, like, it went <sighs> up automatically. <laughs> She's screaming in the back with her hands stuck in the window, and we couldn't work out how to take it down again. <laughs> These are my memories. <laughs> Last family holiday. Speaking of childhood memories, <laughs> oh, let's, nice. let's take them somewhere. Lovely, lovely. Take them somewhere a bit sort of less traumatic for you. Oh, fingers potentially. Crossed. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, Do you have any know. any football sort of based childhood earliest memories? football based memory? Oh my god! I think the earliest memory is probably like running across the school field and getting hit by about four footballs. Don't go near the football field. Was that a game that you were playing? Like running the gauntlet? Was that fun for you or that you weren't doing that on purpose? No, I just always felt like any time I went near a football field, there would be like footballs would gravitate towards me. I can speak for I the young people <laughs> who were playing football at that time. They were definitely <laughs> doing it on purpose. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. No question. Yeah. And you are, have got sort of red hair, an easier target. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ginger, <laughs> when you're when you're when you're a oh small God. child. I just mean I don't mean. <laughs> emotionally <laughs> a better target I, I just mean easier to see yes against like the green like a highlighter yeah, yeah. <laughs> potentially yes. now now who's being traumatic I mean <laughs> just to be clear both those questions have ended in trauma <laughs> drag drag but through Vegas getting yeah. footballs kicked at your face um, I, I remember as well like being made to play football as a young kid and it always being winter and like mm. being in little shorts and it being freezing cold mm. I, that's a weird thing, isn't it? They always do that with, um, uh, if, well, from what I remember, is you, your year was split up into like, these are the football months and these are the non-football months. Yeah. And it makes no sense because you end up just like running through the cold. And I think more people would stay involved in playing football if, uh, or like enjoying football if you didn't have to do it in the freezing cold right. bit of December rather than right. like June. But whereas because we... Get like a football, football boot to the, that was easy to say, football yeah. boot to the knee. Ow. I've got a new question for yeah, you. Yeah. And we've not asked any guesses before, John. You've also not told me that you've got a new question. You've thrown the structure out of the window. Here we go. Open the window wide. Oh, I've opened it wide. Let's go. So, I would like to know if there are any football terms, any sort of... T- you're coming to us, we're doing a football podcast. Anything you hear a lot or, like, has been heard, you've heard recently where you're like, what are they talking about? And maybe, in this sort of football clinic, <laughs> Joe and I can clear that up for you. Shall I make a jingle for this bit, like, later? Joel Mate. and Giles Football Clinic. Great. Clinic, um, yes. To, to I love it. that you called it a clinic. <laughs> Our last episode, we taught Amy Fleming the uh, the word cup set. 
for when a smaller team beats a bigger team in a cup match. Oh, sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> I don't know how it does. But there's something really weird about that. That sounds Cups like it. kinky to me. Cups no. it. Maybe not. We're like sitting on the. Oh, I see how you've. I, I, yep, I, yep, Something sure. about that. Anyway, anything, moving on. Anything that, that strikes you? Um, offside rule. Oh, wow. But only because, like, I always. People always try and explain it, and it always seems really, like, complicated. When they try and explain it, what, like, at what point do you find yourself being like, oh, why did I ask? Like, what, as soon as I ask. Okay. So just, just now. No pressure then. Yeah, cool. You go. <laughs> Okay, imagine there are a set of straight lines in the football pitch, right? Yeah. Emanating from one goalkeeper to the other goalkeeper. I've already lost you. I've, I've failed. Joel, your go. Also, I didn't understand why you drew the lines that way. I didn't mean to. Well, are, they, are they lateral? Yeah, like, yeah. That way or that emanating way? from one goalkeeper to the other goalkeeper implies that there are straight lines going like long ways. Yeah. That's surely not helpful. For that is the outside. opposite of what I meant, so I failed. <laughs> I, as a clinician, a clinician... Clinician. I have failed. The clinician who works in the clinic. It's your turn. Um, It is a way of stopping people just hanging out near the opponent's goal. So if you're you're nearer to the opponent's goal than someone from the other team, when the ball is passed to you, that's against the rules. Done. Oh, so you always... So say I'm near near a goal that I want to get the ball into. Yes. (laughs) I've got to make sure that there's one person from the other team that is close... Between you and the goal. Oh my yep. god, that's so much simpler than I, I, I ever thought it would be. I don't know why people. You've make, done it. <laughs> I don't know why people make such a fuss about it. I think it's because they're then adding all the like the weird twiddles and stupid bits that just are unnecessary to know. Yeah, f the twiddles. You're a referee. Yeah, f the twiddles. <laughs> Episode title. Um, <laughs> Do you feel like that's cleared up for you? Yeah. Yeah. Is this going to be a regular bit now? Because I bet we end up explaining offside more than once. Joel of Girls Football Clinic. <laughs> New jingle is possibly necessary. Yeah, we'll do that. I'll, I like that. I think that's it. good. Because now I go, I go away with like learning a new bit of knowledge. Great. You're very welcome. <laughs> well, you can, Thanks, you, can, you can practice retelling us what it is while we have a little coffee and we'll be more back with... Oh, I tried it and I failed. This is why I'm I so do bad at segways. Oh. Everyone's talking about So after that excellent uh, example of the master of segueing from both of us, uh, we're back. We're refreshed. We've had croissants. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. No. I mean, I just sat here and looked at other people eating croissants. But How was it? It was bloody lovely. I've had one in ages. Uh, an eight. Oh wow, that's good. Do you know good. what? Do you know what a ten would be? It would be an almond croissant Ooh. for next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my. <laughs> if I could just put my order in for yeah, the next yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was Rose's version of uh, an Apple Music review there. <laughs> nice podcast next time, Ormond. Eight out of ten. <laughs> Listener, you can give us ten out of ten or five stars yeah, yeah. whenever five you stars. so choose. Just five stars. So just don't even worry about it. Just hit that five no, stars. No words. Um, so uh, every week we do a This Week's World. We do a classic worldie. Not every week, most weeks. Uh, and I'm going to be doing a classic worldie. And uh, uh, in the break, uh, after we'd had a delicious course on a lovely mm. chat, I showed you a horrifically long list of... What? Of uh, the incidents from, what was it, April to... From January to December last year. Of racist incidents in football. In football. It's extraordinary. It's really long, right? Yeah, really long. Um, uh, and we mentioned that we talk about racism a lot, and you were about mm. to ask a question before yes. I said, wait, let's record it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Save it. <laughs> what were you going to ask? Um, well, just like you were saying that you talk about it quite a lot. Do you mean just on this podcast or in general or is it something that comes on the up? On the podcast, in terms of racism in football, we talk yeah. about it maybe more than a lot of other podcasts that have any interest in football. It's mm. just because it's, I think, partly because, as you say, a couple of white boys who like football yeah. and, it, and it feels very odd to be like going all the time, talking about it all the time and not engaging with the fact that it's such a huge part of, yeah. of football and football culture at yeah. the moment and always has been. Yeah. I'll also and say I- this. I'm not happy with the coverage in the media in general. They do that thing where they they try and provide balanced coverage. Well, they know. They... And I don't understand how what you What does can... that mean? Yeah. What got... does balanced coverage mean? Well, it's like when you when something bad has happened, you have to sort of provide a kind of like, like mitigating factors and being like, you know, we're not saying all fans are racist, all that stuff. And I'm like, well, just, just cover the fact that there are racist fans. You don't need to do the whole like... It's like when people say, um, hashtag me too, hashtag not yeah. all men. Right, right, right. right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like, well, we're just saying that obviously there's a problem, but it's not a problem with everyone. 
everyone, and obviously it's been exacerbated by this. Yeah, and exacerbated. It's like, no, but, why that, don't... but also if that's a culture, right? Like, yes. then everyone as a collective should be saying, not not going, oh yeah, but it's not me, it's not me, because then nothing gets sorted. So, but... like, as a culture, you should be calling the culture of football out on that, and that's when you start getting people to fucking watch what they're saying. And, yeah, and change. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think. That gets said now. Everyone says it's got to the point where it almost with pundits, they're basically saying, well, obviously it's awful. Obviously we don't right. want that. And the word obviously gets used a lot because the, the slant is obviously, obviously, <laughs> that we all know it's bad and we all wish it didn't happen. Yeah. But what what there isn't space for, which we and Joel end up talking about with our guests, is the societal reasons. We try and go into it a bit more and rather than just pretend that's too big a question. Like... Mm. That's the issue. Mm. Everyone knows. That's the thing that gets said, the platitude. It's society's issue, not football's issue. Which is. Of course it is. There's racism everywhere. But at the same time, football could do more to uh, address its own house. And is that... Is, so I don't, I don't know much at all about the racism in, in football because I don't watch it. But is that the racism towards players? Yes. Or towards other fans or both? Or like... Uh, a bit of both. Mostly or? fans to players. Okay. Because that's mad. Isn't that mad? Because it, it, it comes across as such an open, diverse, if, if you want to use that word, I know that's a difficult word, game. You know, it's like sport is like one of actually, I think from what I can observe, is, is a lot more open to race, class... I don't know about gender, but... <laughs> no, uh, no. we discussed that on the podcast yeah, yeah, quite yeah. a lot as well. <laughs> and so it's interesting um, that the fans are the people kind of perpetuating maybe a bit of a racist culture. Uh, we, we discussed it around the top this uh, last year when it happened, but in April last year, the mm. England and Tottenham defender Danny Rose said he couldn't wait for his career to be over because of racism from the fans. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, and then he was widely criticised because essentially in that weird way that people do when he's like, well, you earn a hundred and something thousand yeah, pound a week. Yeah. So why are you Put moaning? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so all of this, uh, the kind of craziness of last year and just this general chat made me, got me thinking about classic worldies in terms of racism. Right. Uh, classic worldies is something from the, just a, just a, something from the football annals, shall we say. Yeah. Football past. Uh, and I want to talk to you about the three degrees. When I say three degrees, what does that mean to you, Kyle? I want to think of a classic three degree song to you sing to you, Joel, but I can't remember the specifics of which ones they sung as opposed to other groups. Give I can't remember one. any Three Degrees songs. Is it Best of My Love? Is that... Oh, no, oh. That, that's The Emotions. Okay. Do you remember any Three Degrees songs? No. No, 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 This is good, isn't it? I'll look it up. <laughs> I'd like right. to see your rendition of... Oh, oh. You got the best of my love. Oh, I said oh, that's what we could afford. Lovely. <laughs> So the Three Degrees were a pop group in the uh, 60s and 70s, and they were also three footballers. So in the 70s, uh, basically, you you would there were roughly in the top four divisions of of English football, which is about 92 teams mm-hmm. of players, there were roughly 50 black players. Right. Uh, which is all. However, at one club, West Bromwich Albion, in the late 70s. Three black players were in the starting eleven, and the manager, who was a white man, nicknamed them the Three Degrees. Oh, so, well, yeah, I, it, just getting a nickname is just bad on its on its own. Isn't yeah, it, really? but at the same time, also positive. Weirdly, that's okay. what it's being. It, they they embraced it and adopted it as their own. Right. The three of them. Okay. Uh, and so, basically, what happened was. Uh, they signed a couple of players. One player came up from the youth team and they became the kind of bastion of this team, the backbone of this team in the late okay. 70s. The Three Degrees did? The Three Degrees. Okay. They were Cyril Regis, uh-huh. who was probably the most famous at the time. He scored 112 goals in 297 games for nice. West Brom, playing in the 70s and 80s. He went on to have an amazing career. He won the FA Cup with Coventry City. Uh, he was awarded an MBE in 2008. He was generally considered to be a sort of uh, a perfect example of like what we call a like a old-fashioned British footballer, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. well muscular and bullying and just hard tackling, but scoring a lot of goals. Uh, there were Laurie Cunningham, who was the most skillful of the three. Uh, he ended up playing for Real Madrid. Heard of Real Madrid? Yes. You don't need to lie. If you no, no, I definitely have. <laughs> Why do I feel like it's Real? Is it Real? I mean, it definitely is. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's all right, just... No, 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 I wasn't. It's right, it's not I was fine. like, no, I've definitely fine. heard it wrong then. Real, it is real. Sorry. It's that real. is horrible. Sorry. I hate when people do it's that. Real it's Real so Madrid. 
I was going to say that, that it's Spanish for royal. I don't know. Um, I don't know what it's Spanish for. I was, I've was i never investigated that thought. Anyway, he played for him. He played for him. Nice. Um, he was also the first... Uh, he was one of the... Well, he was considered for a long time until they discovered someone in the uh, 1910s. He was the first black player to play for England in the modern game, shall we say. Uh, what does uh, that mean? Um, so, the, as in, like, post-war. Okay. Pre-war, the, there was English football, but it was very different. Okay. Um, so he, he was this sort of extremely talented, silky, kind of way before his time, the way he played. He sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, handsome as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and there was also Brendan Batson, who was the first ever black player to play for Arsenal. Do you know that? I didn't. He played in 172 <laughs> games uh, for West Brom. Uh, and he also uh, was a trustee, became a trustee of the Professional Footballers Association after he retired. And the reason I bring them up is they faced an insane amount of uh, racism and problems from the terraces. They were they were so good and they scored so many goals and they played so well. But the the vibe they had was extraordinary. And it's just interesting when put in context with what's happening today. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's been so much additional reported, it probably has been happening the whole time, but additionally reported racism uh, in the modern game. They had to do things like, they would get off the bus and there was no security then. It wasn't like, football wasn't full of millionaires as it is now. It was just... What are the dates of this again? So sort of 78, 79 was the time. They only really played together for two years, actually. I think 78 to 80 when Cunningham went off to Real Real Madrid. (laughs) I looked it up, it means... Royal. Royal, Royal Madrid. Lovely. Um, uh, yeah, they only played together for two years, uh, but they would get off the bus and they would have, the National Front would be waiting mm. for the West Brom team bus and they would have to run what they called running the gauntlet, where they would have to walk from the bus into the stadium plus past people doing uh, Nazi salutes, spitting at them, swearing at them, shouting at them. It's, and do you just think, I mean, have we, other than like better security... <laughs> There's not much change, really, in terms of what the players have to go through. Uh, it feels this... like a bit of a cycle. I feel like things did change, and I feel like they've got worse again. I mean, it's, a, it's, a hard, it's hard to know. I mean... Uh... It's a bit of a reflection, right, of, of kind of what's going on in the world right now, if it's getting worse now. Yeah. It feels like it's a reflection of who's running our country and other countries and what messages are being perpetuated and... Yes, which Kyle, I'm sure, will talk about when he talks about this week's world. There have been footballers now, or ex-footballers, saying, "We, how can we address our own house uh, when mm-hmm. the rest of the wider world is so uh, mm-hmm. horrifically mm-hmm. scarred by mm-hmm. racism and, and uh, things of that nature? Um, let me tell you some stuff that's more positive, though. So uh, they weren't paid a lot of money. That doesn't sound positive. But it does give you that kind of sense of old British values, right? Yeah. So Cyril Regis, the most famous of three, was an electrician. Uh, as well as being a footballer. Uh, I've got a quote from a West Brom supporter here, a guy called John Homer, said, Cyril was an electrician. He was a man of the people. That was the thing. As a supporter, you knew where the players had come from and had an affinity with them. At that time, football still had humanity. Carl, Carl, Carl's, Carl's natural scepticism about like romanticisation yeah. of the past yeah. come kicking in there. Um, the players were of a generation appreciated how lucky they were to be in the game. Mm. Even though the rewards were not as great, they were still getting paid more than my old man was for working a brickyard in Neverton. Cool. Oh, come on, that's lovely, right? They, there was a more of a... There was a also, just in terms of what we're talking about here, this is a, a black guy playing for the local team. Yeah. And there was more there, there was more of a sense of affinity with him from the, from the fans, from the white fans of West Brom, than there probably is now with the kind of millionaires who you, who you watch playing football. Oh, I definitely think so, yeah. I can, I can imagine that being the case. Um, the, the, the crazy thing, thinking about it, is, is that how accepted the hostility was then. So at least now, when it, when there's, when this kind of racism happens, there's people like us going, what the hell? How are we allowing this? What's mm-hmm. going on? This is mm-hmm. terrible. But then, basically, every single black player in the top four divisions knew and expected to face a huge amount of racism. So uh, Lord Herman Owsley, who is the chairman of Kick It Out, who are the kind of anti-racist activists within football he said this and I do think I'm going to read it out and this is this uh other than telling you a little bit more about uh what happened recently with the three degrees uh this will be the last thing I say and I just think it's really interesting because I don't I don't agree with this but I think in terms of thinking about football now I think it it in some way underscores how little things have changed 
Uh, so he says this. I wasn't a Chelsea fan, but my brother-in-law had a season ticket and he took me along to see the game. Going to football as a black man was then a very uncomfortable experience. You had to keep your head down and your wits about you. At the beginning of the game, the three West Brom, West Brom players got fruit thrown at them. I'm assuming bananas. Um, each time one of them touched the ball, the boom was horrendous. After about 20 minutes, Laurie weaved his way through the Chelsea defence and Cyril banged the ball into the net. The guys sitting around me were enraged. They stood up and the abuse reached a cacophony. Not long after, Laurie went through again and set up another goal. They were even more livid. But then one of these gorillas, interesting choice of word, sitting in front of me, turned to another and said, mind you, mind you the N-word is effing good, isn't he? That was a moment of inspiration for me and I sat there with a glow inside. It was saying, whatever the word odds, you can win people over by your talent and perseverance. Ooh. Right. So who is it that said this? So this is the black chairman of Kick It Out, who are the anti-racist football and activists. this is his comments. This is his comments. Yeah, right? Interesting. Well, interesting because if, the, if this, so this is the black chairman, his comments now. Yep. Thinking back to his youth, thinking about when, to when he watched football at the time. Because that's, that's really hard to comment on because, like, I'm not a person of colour. So, I I mean, being someone who's not a person of colour, reading that, it sounds horrendous to yeah. me. Also, that someone feels that they need to say that. Not that they need to say that, but feels that the N-word can be, not positive, but can be, like... Yeah. Have, well, I, but obviously, I, I don't know how much of an opinion I can have because... No, I don't think, I'm just... I'm putting it out there just for... for uh, kind of comparison's sake because mm. I wonder now if he feels the same way about the stuff that's still happening. Let's move on to something uh, a little bit more positive with Three Degrees. So uh, last year in May, uh, finally outside of the uh, West Brom Stadium, uh, uh, the Hawthorns, they unveiled a statue of the three of them, of Cyril Regis, Laurie Cunningham and uh, Brendan Batson. Uh, and they, I mean, the, I'm trying to be positive. They, they struggled to raise the funds to erect it. Uh, but what? finally, yeah, I know. But then eventually the PFA, the Players Football Association, uh, chipped in with the final £38,000. And there is now, uh, and I will show you in the break, an excellent photo. Because uh, Batson's the only one, sadly, who's still alive. Cunningham died of, oh. in a car accident in Spain uh, it, uh, in, when he was only 33. And Regis died a couple of years ago. But uh, uh, there's a really great photo of all of their families and Brendan oh. Batson sitting around this statue of the three of them playing football together. Oh, it's cool. really nice. But just to be something more positive, the three of them and what they went through and how they were received by some of the football world in a positive way and some others in a horrific way, uh, basically inspired the situation now where if you go through the top divisions in every team, it's roughly a minimum of, say, especially near the top of 40% non-white footballers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and the, the amount of players who say that they were the people that inspired them, people like um, uh, John Barnes, Rio Ferdinand, they've said that, you know, it was seeing these three black players playing top division football and being the stars of the team that inspired them to actually say, you know what, I want to do this as well. Mm, mm. So well that, that is the, essentially, that's what um, representation is about, right? Yeah. It's like, it's not like trying to tick boxes. It's not, it's, it's the wider, it's society seeing themselves in a, I don't want to say, it's not power, but in a position of success or of like high achieving. Like if you're in first division football, you're like the cream of the crop, right? Yep. Completely, because that's what makes a difference, and that's yeah. what changes things. But what's sad now is is that there's no barriers in terms of young black men wanting to be and young black women wanting to be professional footballers. Uh, in that, most youth teams in London, for example, are are predominantly uh, non-white. Yeah. Um, but there is still the same response from the uh, from the crowds, uh, yeah. and Kyle will be getting into some more about the current situation that we find ourselves in yeah. uh, after this break. Can I ask one question before we go? Yeah, because I feel like I've maybe got the wrong end of the stick at this bit. The three degrees. These three guys, they weren't the singers of the three degrees, were they? No. Okay, because the whole way through that, <laughs> I thought that we were talking. I thought. So I was like, God, he's an electrician, he's a football. But they weren't the singers. An easy mistake Definitely to make. Definitely not the singers. <laughs> but I do have one of their songs for you. Go on. Oh, great, yeah. When will I see you again? After the break. <laughs> That's right. I don't know nothing about football, but I love my friends, so I'll watch you for them. Uh. Kickball with foot, football, yeah. 
And we're back. We've had some more quass. I've got a piece stuck in my tooth. I've got to get that salt wash ready. <laughs> I keep thinking that every time I smile at you both, I've got like flakes of pastry nah, coming fine. out of my teeth. Don't worry you about do it. not. You're Thank fine. You. I'm also not looking at you. So it's fine. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so um, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever been to a football stadium? Do they play rugby at football stadiums? Uh, no, rugby, rugby stadiums. Yes, no, I have. Definitely, yes. So you go to rugby a lot? Yeah, with my dad. Where do you go? I went, well, I used to when I was like younger. Went to, um, oh my God, was in Watford, the stadium there. So they must play the Watford matches uh, there. They do, Vicarage Road. Vicarage Road, yeah. yeah. That's That used to be a ground Saracens. share between Saracens and yes, Watford. Yes, yeah. I, I used to be part of Saracens, like, young club. What was that called? Not, not like playing. Young, just like, young warriors? Young barbarians? Maybe Saracens or something. Maybe Saracens. I don't know. <laughs> so explain how it felt to be part of a big sort of group of people like that. It, watching watching a match or being yeah. at a stadium. Actually, there's nothing, there's actually nothing like it, is there? In terms of, I mean, I'm not a fan necessarily, but um, because you'd be watching it and you wouldn't know what was happening. But then when there's this like, I can't really explain it. When 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 the ball is getting close to the goal, <laughs> the feeling of everyone, people on the edge of their seat, you can literally feel people on the actual edge of their seat ready to jump up in the air. Well, you get that crazy. noise, don't you? When yeah. it when it the as all, yeah. the, as all the chairs bounce yeah. back up yeah. as people stand yeah. up. Yeah, and yeah. and then and then also it goes kind of quiet for like a second. There's there's like a, a combined moment where no one breathes. Mm. And there's actually no moment like that. Ooh, Rose. <laughs> that was good. And Write that what, down. You know why I like that, Rose? That was positive. But nice to sort of lift us up before we go back into the job. <laughs> oh, here we go. But, um, <laughs> just got you on to moan about, about the current yeah, state of football, yeah. really. We were just talking about the incidences of, of the sort of head of kick it outs experiences of football from the terraces in the mm. 70s and 80s. Mm. When you were hearing that, we did you? What's your gut feeling about what that might be like in comparison to now? Like the racism from fans. Yeah, I I don't know personally. I would if I heard someone being like shouting abuse, whether whatever it was about, at anyone. I think that's so into. I personally think that that's so ballsy in today's world that I would hope that collectively the people around them would either evict them from the place mm. or make them feel so scared <laughs> that they wouldn't do it anymore but obviously i can imagine that if there's a large group of people who are have that kind of mob mentality of of hurling racial abuse or or have that kind of those thoughts as a collective that must be a really difficult thing to shut down mm. so so in in terms of your question like i would hope that it would be really different now mm. but i can imagine that actually that mob mentality is actually like a very human thing and so once that starts it's really hard to shut it down well i can tell you well from our experiences which we spoke about before we've not done much to shut it down i that's me speaking i've Mm. I've heard it and i've turned away from someone trying to have an interaction with me personally on a one-to-one level really and rather than shoot it down i just turned away from him i just blanked him joel's joel's shouted i've done it twice but not shouted I'm not brave enough, so I sort of do a smile like, oh, come on, mate, don't, uh, yeah. let's, you know, nothing, leave that Try out. Try and hush no, it gently, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I had some pushback once, and then the other time, other fans sort of said, yeah, mate, leave it out, and so it just kind of dissipated, but we didn't, you're meant to sort of text a service and say, oh, really? yeah, they're meant to sort of text and say, there's been racism, I'm in oh. seat, blah, blah. Yeah. That's, that's like... So that's, what's, that's what has led to in the modern game is... Uh, uh, avenues for fans to sort of anonymously report mm. uh, and when that hasn't happened it's now led to on a, on, a, on a sort of a higher level of surveillance stadiums that basically can capture every single fan within the stadium mm. and that's only the state of art stadiums the brand yeah. new ones it's terrifying in some um, ways we're going to talk about that now how terrifying that is or not terrifying yeah. Because one of the incidents on that, that rap sheet that we looked at before mm. was a game between Tottenham and Chelsea, 27th of December, the last decade. Yeah. Hopefully things will be different this decade. Um, <laughs> where uh, yeah. there was an incident in the game. Chelsea were away at Tottenham in the brand new 62,000 seater stadium, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Mm-hmm. Joel and I have been there. We did a podcast there. They lost 2-0 Tottenham. Mm-hmm. And a Chelsea defender complained during the game, called the ref's attention and his own captain over because he did a sort of physical embodiment of a, of a monkey chant. He said, mm. I'm hearing monkey chants. 
and I want something done about it. Yeah. The 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 tannoy uh, was was there was something said over the tannoy, but which is a new sort of um, standard thing to do. The fans are warned. There's been a racist incident or a suppo- an alleged racist incident. They'll, then there's one warning. There'll be another warning, and then supposedly the game is potentially going to be called off after mm. that point. It didn't, mm. it didn't go there. Has it ever? Not at the Did top level know? football. Not really? in the Premier League. No. Um, but mm. lower levels, Interesting. like under 18s and yeah. stuff, that's happened. Yeah. They've just walked off. Yeah. But the the club that did an internal investigation using the technology mm-hmm. that they have now mm-hmm. to try and ascertain who and where in the stadium these uh, chants were coming from. And the results came in this week or last week. And, and when was this game? This game was just before Christmas. Okay, 22nd okay. of December. Okay. The results from Tottenham Hotspur said there is no evidence to corroborate or contradict the allegation. Uh, this is um, this is from Tottenham. So mm-hmm. they, the club, through their own channels have, and through social media, have stated that they found no evidence of the monkey chance through all their sort of surveillance equipment and they fed that back to the police and therefore no action is being taken. To corroborate or contradict. So they haven't got any evidence to prove it didn't happen. Or that it did. So what's the point in the technology? Yeah. Because surely if there's, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there's like video, like you can hear it somewhere. Does that mean that the technology is not working? Or what, like, what does that mean? They, Spurs basically said that they've exhausted all avenues of investigation. They've used all, they, they've done everything they can to try and prove there were monkey chanters. And who was it? Was it against, was it their team? It was or? the home team's fans against the away team's fans. Okay. Well, What's is, I, is that why? Is that but, why they don't want to find any? Well, it's possible. What's ironic is that the same game, uh, Son Hyung min who's a Korean player for Tottenham, mm-hmm. was subject to racist abuse from Chelsea fans. Mm-hmm. And not only did they find the person, but they arrested them. There were six arrests at that game for, for, for racially motivated incidents really? within the fans. Yep. Um, Tot- uh, Chelsea's, uh, as a club, came out with a statement. Um, we support Tony Rudiger, the defender, mm-hmm. totally and unequivocally on this matter. And as Tottenham's statement makes clear, a lack of evidence does not mean an incident did not take mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Um, in response to this incident, we must be very careful about the climate we create for players who experience and report racist behaviour. It's vitally important that we continue to encourage all players, whatever shirt they wear, to report racist abuse without fear of doubt or reprisal. And this, the, so the, my gut feeling when this report came back as there being no evidence and therefore no prosecution was this is bad news mm. for football yeah. because this is going to mean what will happen is that you'll get players telling the ref, telling their own captain, which is the, the sort of protocol, mm. that, they've, that they have heard something and the fans turning against that player seeing it as basically sportsmanship mm. seeing yeah. it as a way of trying to dismantle the sort of uh, balance of the game yeah. trying to essentially gain an advantage and if that if that if it go, if it starts going there, if there's more instances along this lines i think it's really dangerous spurs spurs fans will almost certainly when tottenham go to chelsea they'll boo rudiger which when you think about it is is insane he he's not made up that he's heard racism now, you could say that maybe he misheard or like maybe he, he misinterpreted booing as being racially motivated. But the Spurs fans now, as a collective, having heard this, this, this report, mm. will, will abuse him. And that's insane to me. That, that mob mentality of like, well, you attacked our club and called us racist mm, when we mm. weren't. I'm just really scared that it will deter players from reporting racist abuse. But have they also, so um, the link to the technology, this, this thing where you can see every player. So in their response, are they saying that they just can't pinpoint exactly who it was that was doing that? Or are they saying that there's no evidence that says it took place? Because, um, I mean, they film all the matches, right? I've, yeah. got, some, I've got some more Probably information some about what Tottenham, this is from the club. They say they're able to track every fan. Uh, using cameras at their new 62,000-seater stadium, mm-hmm. and that any supporter found to be guilty would be receive a lifetime ban. They also said they worked with professional lip readers, um, and that all reports had also been reviewed by the police. So this basically means that they probably zoned in on an area where yeah. they saw, using the cameras, ah, it's probably these guys, mm. you know, it, around the area that the player would have been able to hear it. Mm. He even pointed to where he thought it was coming mm, from. Mm. And they would have then got the lip reader in to be like, right, what are they doing? And basically, it wasn't clear enough. The evidence is not strong Ugh. enough. But did they make a did they make a statement about like whether they can find who it was or was or wasn't? The fact that someone heard that 
means that it took place, right? Yeah, agreed. Um, well, this is what they said. They, yeah. they said, we are fiercely proud of our anti-racism work and our zero tolerance of any form of discrimination. There is one reason why we have attributed so much time and resource to investigating this matter. Uh, sorry, this is one reason why we have attributed so much time. Had we identified anyone guilty, we would we were intent on issuing them with a lifetime ban, as they would have no place among our proud, diverse fan base. If any new information does come to light, this will be fully investigated. So it almost feels like Tottenham, as a club, are disappointed that they, they couldn't find the perpetrators. Yeah. But there is, obviously, what is undeniable, there is, and this is where the sort of, this is where it sort of buries into the, the, the fans who are going to turn on Rudiger, there is the chance he misheard. There, that, there, that is... There is, that is potentially something that happened. Mm. And this is why it's such a problematic area in terms of how you how you can pinpoint and determine who exactly did it. And so the cameras, which give you the shudders, having technology that you can see... Do that uh, give you the shudders? A little bit, yeah. Mm. I go to football all the time. Oh, right. And I just, the, the, the idea of just being... I mean, what? I get the shudders at the idea of people watching me anyway because I think I'm really important. Um, <laughs> Everybody's watching me. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Uh, but like, yeah, no, I don't know. It gives me the shudders a little bit. I think it, it, I <laughs> totally think it's absolutely right to use it in this way. But it does, it fills me with, a, this is a multi-billion pound corporation filming yeah. its, uh, like, users. Well, yeah. I've got another a fan of Tottenham friend uh-huh. uh, who said, well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cameras, but if you've got nothing to hide, then what's the problem? Good point. That's another that's, angle. That's always, but that's always everyone's that, point. With yeah, also, yeah. it's interesting that um, they're spending, and I feel like we deal with things a lot in this way. They're spending all this money uh, in a reactionary way. So if someone is racist or abusive, then they are trying. It sounds like scrambling around getting someone to watch. I don't know, sixty-six thousand people's faces, trying to see if they're mm. if they're making racist remarks. When like actually you should be maybe investing that money into like changing the culture around. So it, so like. this is so this is this this came up before Christmas uh, and in response to this and another racist incident, uh, Gary Neville heard of Gary Neville? Nah. Gary Neville, who was uh, an England international and played for Manchester United, very successful, won lots mm-hmm. of things, and has become a very successful pundit mm-hmm. talking about football. He said, uh, "Well, look at the election we've just had. Look at the fact that both." the most important people in that mm-hmm. election were accused mm-hmm. of being racist, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly. Look at the rhetoric that comes out from our politicians, mm-hmm. from the top down. How can you expect football mm-hmm. to be better than politics? Which is a fair point. I think it's a very fair point. I mean, sociologically, we're asking, we're asking people to put aside the fact that there's so much uh, divisive rhetoric going on beyond football, and we're asking football somehow to be better when, as we heard earlier... Footballers' history is as the kind of melting pot of the worst of the worst kind of abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Joel, if you are worried about being viewed, I did also find out that you have the right to have copies of all images and audio taken of you at the stadium uh, because of GDPR. You I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> I often don't. I often want to audition for slightly more like Aggie roles, yes. and I'm very Aggie at football. So, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. But also, the staff have body-worn cameras in integrated what? into their into their vests. That's into their... crazy. I think that's really important. I'd I'd say that would be way more important than the bloody ones capturing the thing because I'm sure they get drunk yeah. and abusive. I've seen it. This is me like totally making a generalisation about all football. No, no. Come to foot. Come to Tottenham with me. <laughs> right, You'll see. Right, it yeah. happens. I, I was going to ask that earlier actually. Like, in terms of your question um, about, do you think it would be different now? Like sitting in an audience or whatever the fuck you call it. Um, uh, I th- I've, I, I, I've figured out the answer to that question. It's the stands. The stands. There we go. Being being in the stand. That's that. Thank you. <laughs> Offside. And now I know what that's called. Joel and Kyle's football <laughs> clinic. <laughs> Jingles changed three times. <laughs> there was an incident this weekend in the lower leagues. And I mean the lower leagues. Uh, where... <laughs> We, we, I'll talk about this in a minute. Leagueist. Um, uh, that was leagueist of me. Uh, where a team walked off the pitch because one of their players was uh, racially abused, but it was allegedly by an actual player rather than a fan. Oh. There was a big melee on the pitch after this incident between two players. Melee? Is it a melee? <laughs> no, no, I'm just asking what a melee was. Oh, like a fracas. For me, for me, that was, wasn't it? <laughs> a melee? Yeah. A fight? A fight. Okay. Yeah. I've never yeah. heard that before. Is that like specifically for football? No. Oh, okay. Just my ignorance. A rumpus. A fracas. That's also foreign. Is it? Yeah. Oh. 
They're both French, I think. Fracas and Melee. Oh. A rumpus. <laughs> rumpus might be German. A rumpus. Uh, this was between Rochester United and Holmesdale, and Holmesdale left the pitch uh, because of this incident, and they didn't come back on. Good Great. on you, Holmesdale. Uh, That's the way to do it. Uh, but that is at the ninth and tenth level of the pyramid. Ah. Uh, so very low down. So we've, maybe this is something to talk about another day. Is part of the pressure and the money and all the expectation of a higher? Is it ever going to happen at the top level because of that pressure to play to finish the game? I think at some point the team are going to walk off at the top level. Yeah, it's yeah. going to happen, and it may not be this season, it may not be next season, but this is not going away. Society isn't going to no. get any better. But one of the ways in which you eradicate it at football stadiums, yeah. even though it will still continue to be incredibly racist in society, is that you tell, tell fans if you are racist, no more football for you. Yeah, yeah, done. One thing I did find in the in the league above Holmesdale in uh, Rochester is a team called Punjab United, and I think they might be in this week's worldie for the future. Oh, Punjab United! Exciting. This is the absolute worldie football bulletin. What you need to know this week to fill those football-shaped holes in your repertoire. Are Liverpool officially the best team in the world? Like, ever? After 21 games, they have 61 points. No team in any of the top five leagues in Europe have ever had this many points at the same stage. Not Barcelona. Not Bayern Munich. Not Juventus. Anyone who asks you, it's safe to tell them Liverpool are blowing you away this season. Vegan FC update. That's right, it's Forest Green Rovers fighting for promotion in League 2. They're on the same points as five other teams, currently in seventh, but missing out on the automatic promotion spots on goal difference only. In a classic away win, 4-3 at the weekend, with the winner the last kick of the game. They are not giving up on it. The (laughs) Swedish legend Zlatan Ibrahimovic is playing on at 38 years old for Milan, but his statue in his hometown of Malmo has been pulled down. This is the latest assault in a litany of vandalisms on his statue. Vandals furious at him for investing money in Malmos rival club Hamabi. And finally, manager Graham Wesley, stuck in traffic on his way to Stevenage's home game against Port Vale, decided to park up and run the rest of the way, which was five miles. And his reward for his effort? A 1-0 loss with the goal from that arsehole Tom Pope. Poor, poor manager Graham. (laughs) And that was the absolute worldy football bulletin. What you need to know this week to fill those football-shaped holes in your repertoire. Yes! (laughs) Smashed it! Kickball with a deep dive into racism uh, of an episode. Uh, thanks for, for diving with us. Uh, no, thanks for inviting me in for a swim. That's all right. <laughs> and thanks for doing the bulletin. Yes. Sorry about I that really difficult thank name. Thank you is the right word. <laughs> Graham Wesley is really hard Graham to say. Wesley. I've never been able to say manager Graham Wesley. I literally have no idea what I just said. That's great. That's what we want. Great. great. You're, you're speak- I might read it again after this yeah, and just sure. see what I actually read. <laughs> it will come back to you. You'll hear something on the news. You'll hear the, the name Zlatan and you'll be like, huh? My friend. <laughs> I've heard bad things about his statue. Now, what you, when we were just having a chat after we finished, you said, it's funny, we were, we were talking about stadiums. I just remembered. What did you remember? I remembered that my dad, who's an engineer of some sort, uh, works on football stadiums and has done for the past five years. Great. It always yeah. happens. It always Shopping. happens. Without fail, we invite people... They don't have any connection to football. They don't even like it moderately, and then bam. Yeah, that's amazing. But literally, my own, my only, I don't. That's it. That's all I know. Just apart from for us, that's like a connection to someone who builds stadiums. Now we, we're right. like Carl and I are just ticking that off in our little. Oh, like Rose Riley's dad will say. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave. Dave Riley. <laughs> Dave Riley. Saris and Dave. Saris and he will love that. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. Sorry. You had a Sorry, Dave Riley. Build stadiums for a living. <laughs> Bang. Done he's it. A, lived in Devon. He's known as London Dave. Is he? Oh, yeah. But all I know from his job there is what the inside of the toilet looks like. Which one? In Chelsea. At Chelsea Stadium. Why did he send you a picture of the toilets in Chelsea because, Stadium? Because apparently, well, not apparently, there's like a um, a TV screen of, so you can go to the loo and still watch the game. Wow. wow. State of the art. State of the art. Why bother leaving the toilet? There we go. <laughs> I mean, often at football stadiums, people are smoking in the toilet. Oh. So yeah. there you go. Have a That's fag, watch the game. Yeah. Have a fag, watch the game. Yeah. Don't need to do anything else. <laughs> I did once go into a toilet uh, at Wembley and there were two lads racking up 
uh, lines of cocaine on the sink and oh. smoking. Wow. What time uh, was when, this? Uh, it would have been about three, just before three o'clock Not in the afternoon. Not anyone should be doing that at any, any time, time of day. Any time, there's no good time to be doing that, but yeah. a quarter to three would have been. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah, it's lovely. I was like, that's how you want to watch football, that's how yeah, you watch football. Yeah, yeah. I love how we both, you both just assumed this podcast was an anti-drug podcast. Yeah. <laughs> just say no. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell us, tell us about uh, podcasts. Yes, that might ex- other podcasts that might exist in your life because obviously you haven't only ever been on this podcast. No, so if anyone is interested, then I ramble on another podcast called The New Era for Era Fifty Fifty, which is an equality campaign to get more women into theatre and uh, onto our screens. So you can find that at The New Era. And is it on sort of podcast providers, yeah. all those ones? Yeah, all, all your regular podcast providers. providers. Yes, love it. Yeah. Well, probably we should have actually spoken to you about women's football, but we, <laughs> did, we did a whole bit on it last week and there's only a <laughs> We've certain... We've heard enough about the women. Yeah, there's only a certain amount of women's football we can do. Do you know what 50% I mean? 50% women, 50% racism. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> absolute worldy football podcast and um, we're off uh, to have a worldy so i'm going to thailand anyone else coming with me? i'm going to talk to rosa dad about if he can engineer a better uh, car window so he doesn't lose his daughter's cho- uh, fingers, fingers yeah. <laughs> segway segway <laughs> we're back to being good at segways thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us thanks it's been for a having pleasure. me i've had a bloody great time good uh ad listener we'll see you next time for more of what you expect from us which is this nonsense bye bye that was the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast by Kyle Ross and Joel Samuels with theme music by Adam Janot Wazowski and Amar Chada Patel. Absolute Worldy is dedicated to the memory of Liam Seeger, who designed our beautiful logo. Please do remember to like, share, subscribe, give us a rating, and follow us at Worldy Podcast. Goodbye. The Swedish legend Zlatan Ibrahimovic is playing... I think we should put no, that's great! <laughs> no. Okay, you can start on again. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Zlatan. Kick ball with fur, fur, fur.